Hello and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm K.W. Taylor. And I'm Carrie Yesner. And this week we're talking about three fantasy novels, Into the Dungeon by Harry Connor, Kiss Me Deadly by Jesse Thomas, and Shadow and Bone by Lee Bardugo. I want to um, <laughs> put a little disclaimer before we really get started. <laughs> My neighbors have some kind of I don't know if they do scrap metal stuff or something, but they're being particularly loud today. So there's been some grinding noises and some like hammering noises. So we don't want to wait to record. So you're just going to have to deal with it when it starts up again. It's fine. We'll do our best. I have traffic noises in the background. So it'll be fine. Okay. (laughs) But on a much happier note, you just read a really cool book that I want to hear more about. Yeah. So I picked this up. It's called Into the Dungeon, a Choose Your Own Path book. It's by Harry Connor, and Harry is spelled H-A-R-I. And then it has additional art by Felix Mile, M-I-A-L-L, mm. Faye Stacy, and Letty Wilson. So it's pretty cool. Well, I should just start by saying that I grew up on Goosebumps, in particular the Choose Your Own Adventure Goosebumps. <laughs> Were you into those as a kid? I feel like they were really big in like the 80s, 90s. They were. And I I had a few. I remember that I would often reread them because obviously you can choose a new path and that was always fun. Yeah, I had a few of the really old ones like, oh, there was one about a castle or something. (laughs) Some of them were, some of the really old ones were interesting because the protagonist was so generic to the point where you couldn't tell their gender and it was a young person. So they had like a haircut that was sort of like, it could be long for a guy or short for a girl, and it didn't matter because it was you. And that, that was really <laughs> kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that carries over into this, oh. which I'll get to in a second. But okay. I picked it up actually a long time ago, but I didn't read it until a little while ago. I found it in Barnes & Noble in the Dungeons & Dragons slash RPG section. Mm-hmm. And I picked it up because I don't think we were doing a gaming session regularly at that time i think i was still trying to like get together a group mm-hmm. so i picked it up because i was like oh it's sort of just like D in a book and i can do it on my own i don't have to wait for a group to get together so i picked it up and it's basically what you would think of from a choose your own adventure book mm-hmm. there are four characters that you could pick from at the beginning oh. but you can also create your own character They have some character sheets at the end where you can do that. But all four characters, you have a singer, you have a scrapper, a soldier, and a scholar. They're all pretty androgynous, so you can decide if you want them to be boy or girl or neither. It still follows the you pattern, Mm -hmm. so it's in second person, and you sort of inhabit this character. But each has slightly different skills and strengths. For example, the singer's health is pretty low, but his charisma is very high. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, you start out at the ruins of a castle, and you see a light somewhere in the passage, and you go into it, and then you get to have this adventure. And you can collect some things as you go, all of which contribute to what you can do later on. Obviously, like you pick up a, a piece of rope in an early room, then you can use it to do X in a later room and stuff like that. Um, And you meet some cool people. Some people try to kill you. (laughs) 
<laughs> There's like a bat monster that I really loved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all you need is you do need a piece of paper and a pencil. You can use the uh, the character sheets in the back, but I don't like doing that. I don't. <laughs> I don't know why. Because I'm very happy to write in books, but for some reason I was like, no, I'm going to use a separate piece of paper. Because <laughs> you have to keep track of your health. That's the only thing you really keep track of because the other stuff doesn't change. But depending on your scores for like strength or intelligence or dexterity, there's no dice rolling, but you either succeed or fail depending on your scores, your character scores for that specific thing. Yeah, and it's just a lot of fun. You get some loot... I think I ended up with like a hundred gold, which wasn't too bad. And I got some fine silk clothes and a topaz. So (laughs) it's kind of fun. I did it once and I'm going to choose a different character and do it again. It's pretty short. The story itself is fewer than a hundred pages. Oh, wow. And depending on how much loot and treasure you pick up, it dictates what sort of life you have after you get out of the dungeon. And then depending on which character you play, each has a goal that you, not a goal, but if you pick up a different thing, a certain thing for each character, that character sort of, their fortunes change. So you sort of start out not very fortunate. And then if you pick up a certain thing, depending on which character you're playing, your fortunes change and you become successful. So cool. Yeah. But it's, you don't really know what those things are before you go in so just fun i like to play it when i need a D fix but you know my D friends aren't around or whatever yeah. so yeah i don't know i just get a kick out of it that's really cool i'm gonna maybe try that out i think that's a neat like mixture of rpg mm-hmm. and choose your own adventure now do you think that you could adapt that for use in a D campaign like could you almost base it on how that game goes or yeah, actually, you probably could. I didn't think about that, but yeah, yeah. And you can let the players choose. Oh, do you want to go? Do you want to turn the heavy door, or do you want to continue down the stairs and things like that? Yeah. So, but would you almost have to have them all be the same type of character in order to make that work? Yeah, it might be a little hard because, like, on this one page I'm on. If your strength or dexterity is four or above, you get to turn to a different page. But if it's three or below, you scramble for the rocks nearby, but are unable to hold on in the swift current and plummet over the edge in your small boat. So you might end up with characters who are getting separated. Yeah. You have to like finesse that somehow before beforehand mm-hmm. so that you don't end up in that situation. Yeah. It would take a little bit of molding, but I think you could probably do it. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Neat. Well, I'm going to I'm going to check that out. That sounds really fun. Yeah, I when when I don't have a session, I do sometimes start to miss it. Yeah. So that Jones might be a good You're in yeah. withdrawal. I mean, RPG <laughs> withdrawal. RPG withdrawal. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But you you've read a different type of fantasy book that I'm really interested in hearing about. So, yeah. tell us about that. So, this is an urban fantasy novel, Kiss Me Deadly by Jessie Thomas, and it's number 1 in her new Nickel City Necromancer series. And I actually, I came across this book because I was kind of in a book doldrum. I was in between stuff that I was really into. And I was like, I really want a good urban fantasy novel with a plucky female heroine with maybe a romance plot. And I was just like, not finding what I wanted. And I 
just happened upon this person on Twitter. I think somebody that somebody else that I followed, we had a mutual or something who liked one of her tweets and it came up with promoting this book. And I was like, you know what? The cover looks great. This looks like it's up my alley. So I just like bought it on a whim and it was exactly what I wanted at the moment. Awesome. Yeah. And she's working on the second book right now. And I'm like, ugh, please get it. <laughs> yeah, I've been sort of probably bothering her a little bit. <laughs> like, please get oh this done. Oh my God. No, 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 no. She's not going to finish just because you're pestering her. <laughs> <laughs> well, she has another another book that I'm probably going to check out too. But anyway, this one is about a necromancer named Serafina Mason, and she lives in Buffalo, which is also funny because I had just not super long ago been to Buffalo for the first time ever. So it was like weird that this was set in a city that I had visited just just pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so she raises the dead, especially for clients, if there's like somebody who's died under mysterious circumstances or someone who's being a poltergeist and being troublesome, she'll go and try to resurrect them and resolve mm. what happened to them and stuff. That's cool. Yeah. And prior to that, she had been a vampire slayer with her ex-girlfriend, but she's kind of given that up for the necromancy. Yes. I too would give up vampire slaying for <laughs> necromancy. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> so through some of her work, she meets a vampire named um, Nathaniel Caligari, and he his son has gone missing. And so Serafina works on investigating what happened to him. One of the people she resurrected sort of helps with that and is also trying to figure out how he died. And Mm. her ex is sort of involved in this. And then she and Nathaniel are sort of having a little kind of romantic tension because she doesn't like him because he's a vampire, but also at the same time, he's super dreamy. So (laughs) (laughs) a problem with all vampires. It really is. And mostly they end up trying to solve the mystery of this very strange cult. So I like it because it's it's got a lot of fun urban fantasy tropes, but it's also, I think, more of what I like in urban fantasy when it's more of a like a, a take on a noir detective story, and that's totally this. Mm. And it does have the slight romantic storyline. I like that the heroine is bisexual, but they also don't make a big deal about that. And her ex girlfriend is really plucky and funny and quippy. And I love a good urban fantasy with lots of quippiness and jokiness and just very, you know, people telling jokes in a graveyard. I just really, that's my, <laughs> that's my jam. That's a, that's a great genre. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And um, Serafina is a really fun character. Her sister is also a character and there's some kind of mystery with that relationship. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit about cool stuff in Buffalo, which I also thought was fun. So if you like strong heroines who can do magic and dark, broody vampire love interests who are not necessarily villains, but you're also a little on the on the fence about that, and fight scenes, jokes, interesting world building, this is just a great book. And I'm excited to see what she does with the rest of the series. So yeah. That's very cool. It looks like it's going to be a trilogy, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And her other book. Oh, I meant to look up what her other book is. Baptism of Fire. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I haven't read that yet, but I'm going to I'm gonna check it out. They look cool. Yeah. I just really, it just was like, you know, when, when there's certain things about certain genres where you can either just hit every trope and that just makes it very satisfying, or you can subvert some tropes and that also makes it satisfying. And so far, this is one of the former, but it just 
like really, really works. She clearly knows the genre very well and mm-hmm. just does it just all the beats that I was really wanting in that moment. And I read it really fast. And you know that I'm a little bit of a slow reader because I really are you I am because I make the mistake <laughs> of devouring the language and the word usage and you know, and I having been an English teacher, like it's hard to turn my editing brain off Mm -hmm. when I'm reading sometimes. Yeah. With this, I just like flew through it. So. Awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. I'll definitely give them a shot. Yeah. Okay. The second one, just for, not the second one, but the other series that Mm -hmm. she started, if anyone is interested, it takes place in Perdition Falls, New York, which is on top of a hell mouth. (laughs) <laughs> and there is a war between pyromancers and incendiaries. Ooh. And there's a race against time to stop a demonic arsonist. So the main character is a firefighter, which is very cool. That's very cool. I, I'm definitely going to check that out. I just haven't yet. I forgot to mention that they have a pet fox. A, a pet. That dom- is very cool. Domesticated fox. His name is Topaz. <laughs> and he sounds absolutely adorable. And I just kept picturing this cute little... You know, you know how foxes are kind of like they're they're canines, but they also have a little cat quality about them. Like they're mm-hmm. the perfect puppy cat creature. Like I just they're kept picturing cats. they're a puppy cat. So I just kept picturing this cute little puppy cat just curled up everywhere. Ugh. So I I feel like she I don't know. Maybe she's gonna hear this and find it's funny. But it's like it's like if you took a focus group and were like ten things you love about urban fantasy, and you have to have main character has to have a fun pet. And she's like, yes. Oh, and there's another, there's a dog in it too. Okay. A borzoi named Buttercream. Oh, oh my gosh. They're so pretty. They're so pretty. So anyway, yeah. If you like animals and ladies who are very feisty and fighty, Mm -hmm. this is really up your alley. So love it. Love it. Yeah. I will definitely check that out then. I like how she picked a fox because (laughs) in mysteries, in mystery type things, you know, you... Usually you have a cat or a dog, but now you've got a fox, which is a mix. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's for cat people and dog people. <laughs> right? It's perfect. Awesome. I'm really glad you enjoyed that so much. Thank you. Yeah, it was a, such a fun read. Hopefully she won't listen to this and be like, ah, oh, someone's trying to get me to finish book two. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Do it. <laughs> but we both read a book recently that does not have any... Cats or dogs, I don't remember. No. It has a stag. It has a stag, though, but... (laughs) That was a great, great segue. (laughs) (laughs) So we're actually going to be on another podcast that I believe will drop tomorrow, May 6th, if you're listening to this, the day we release this episode. Mm -hmm. We're going to be on our friend Luke and James's Ink to Film podcast Mm -hmm. and i'm very happy i said that right because i keep trying to say ink to bone (laughs) (laughs) no ink to film (laughs) because we've been reading shadow and bone and we're gonna go on their podcast to talk about the recent netflix adaptation Mm -hmm. but specifically the last four episodes the the second half of the season so everyone listening will hopefully listen to their first couple episodes on shadow and bone and then tomorrow you can tune in to hear us talk about it but we're gonna talk about the book today. Mm -hmm. So do you want to give a plot synopsis? Yeah. So this is, it's technically classified as YA. I don't really, I feel like it's more new adult, but it is a fantasy. And it was her first novel, Lee Bardugo, the author, which man, for a first novel, this was like hitting it out of the park, I thought. So 
the interesting thing about the fantasy world that's in this book is that it's quasi Russian. Mm -hmm. It's set in a kingdom called Ravka and focuses, it's from the point of view of this girl, Alina Starkov, who she's an orphan and she realizes much later than most people that she is part of this magical group of people called the Grisha. And the Grisha can do various things that manipulate elements, kind of. But her talent apparently is summoning the sun, which is very rare, rare enough that people are kind of shocked that she can do this. And the kingdom is split by this weird thing called the Unsea or the Fold, which is this strip of land that is always dark and it has these monsters called the Volcra that inhabit it. So that if you try to cross this area, not only can't you see and you, you're not supposed to even shine a lantern in it, you might get attacked by these creatures. So it's very hard to get from one part of the kingdom to another. Mm -hmm. And it was something that was created by like an evil Grisha many, many, many years before. And so she is pulled away from her best friend, Mal, which having a cat named Mal, I was very <laughs> touched and amused by Mal. And I kept sort of picturing him, him as being slightly feline looking. Her friend, Malian Oristev, um, was also an orphan. And they've grown up to become members of the army. She's a map maker and he's a soldier. And because they find out that she's the sun summoner, she's torn away from him and taken to this palace where the Grisha are sort of schooled in how to use their powers and sort of brought into Grisha society. Yep. There's also this other Grisha called the Darkling who's like, he can summon darkness and they have sort of a little romantic tension there. So that's kind of the setup. Yeah. And I do want to mention that the sun summoning is sort of thought of as out of mythology. So some people believe that there were people a long time ago who could do this, and some people don't believe that anymore. But when she shows that this is her power, it sort of becomes like a religious thing. Some people start calling her Saint Alina, and I assume that that will get explored a little bit more in the rest of the trilogy. But uh -huh. yeah, and the same thing with, <laughs> I don't want to spoil too much, but there's a mythological stag that they want to find for reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the same sort of thing. Some people believe in it. Some people don't. Most people don't. Uh -huh. But yeah, I, f I feel like that that was a very good summary. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Well, in the other books in the trilogy, Siege and Storm, and then the third book is Ruin and Rising. But then she's written two books that are sort of related called Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom. And then she's got a couple other works that are set in the same, the Grisha verse. So I'm actually kind of excited to just kind of, you know, move my way through as many of those as I feel like, um, because it's very, cool. I love the the sort of Russian and Asian influences. There's also, I feel like there's a little bit of like Eastern European, mm -hmm. almost Israeli, which she is Israeli American herself. So I think there's a little bit of that influence too, which you just don't see that as much in, right. I would call this not quite high fantasy, maybe middle fantasy, not fully low fantasy, but. Oh, really? Would you call it high fantasy? or? Yeah, I just sort of tend to think of high fantasy as a different world. Oh, okay. And low fantasy as our world. So okay. urban fantasy would be low fantasy for me. Okay. okay. How do you classify them? Well, maybe we need to research this more. But yeah, <laughs> like I think the lack of like there's magic. Okay. But there's not really like other 
other type other types of sentient beings mm-hmm. the way that you see in like Dungeons and Dragons or or Lord of the Rings or something. So okay. I guess I would I would maybe require that super high fantasy have that element. But we also you and I have only read the first book so far, so who knows what's mm-hmm. going to happen? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is a first book, and it does hit a lot of tropes mm-hmm. that you were talking about with the other book. <laughs> oh my god, what's it called? Kiss Me Deadly. <laughs> that you were talking about with Kiss Me Deadly. So if you are into YA, and YA fantasy in particular, I don't think you can go wrong with this. It's got sort of the chosen one trope, mm-hmm. and I'm interested to see what will happen with that. Mm-hmm. And it's got the sort of go into magic school. <laughs> exactly. It's got go into magic school. <laughs> <laughs> I love going to magic school as a trope. Okay, great. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. I love school. So going yeah. to school for magic is like, oh, sign me right up. Which is why I'm like, Alina, why are you mad that you're not like sitting in a tent anymore? You got this sweet room in a palace and you're learning magic. You got nice clothes. Yeah. You're clean. <laughs> It's clean. Yeah. <laughs> I would much rather be at magic school in a palace than sitting in a tent making maps, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair, I think. <laughs> yeah, you've got magic school. And the last thing I was going to say was that you've got the best friend thing that could potentially turn romantic and sort of a love triangle. Mm-hmm. I-, I don't love that stuff, so all of things revolving around that in this book weren't capturing me, mm-hmm. but I'm also not the intended audience. So that's totally okay. Well, and that's a question like intended audience. I think a lot of YA readers are full on adults, like, yeah, which true. is why this, because they're already in the army when this happens to her, I feel like I don't know exactly how old she's supposed to be, but I felt like she wasn't the typical, you know, 13 year old. Yeah. Called a action as a super YA book. So to me, this felt definitely more in the new adult realm, which I don't think there's as much. I just, I, new adult is an interesting age group that I think people still mm-hmm. think is a thing, but it's hard to define because it, it's a little nebulous. And I think there should be more fantasy in that age group. So, yeah, I agree. As someone who writes, <laughs> yes, sort of new adult fantasy. Yeah. I assume that she was like 17, 18. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want this to come out wrong, but I feel like the writing was YA-ish. Well, it is for, and and that's I don't think that's an insult with with no. YA. Some of the tropes that I feel like work well with that age group are first person point of view and present tense. And I can't remember if this is present tense, but yeah, Hunger Games is definitely present tense. Yeah, this is past tense. This actually. is past tense. Okay, and I think that. Having a female protagonist is another, not always, but a little bit of a YA trope that that there's probably more female protagonists who fit the chosen one sort of template and the the love triangle. But I think that it also, I think it is trying to subvert some of that stuff mm-hmm. by what it does with the Darkling character, which we don't want to tell too much without spoiling it. Yeah. So I do think that it feels... If you like the Hunger Games, I think you would like this. But if you like a little bit more traditional fantasy, you would like this because the Hunger Games is post-apocalyptic and it's more science fiction. So if you want some magic and this different kind of world building, I think it's very, very cool. I think it's neat that the Grisha 
have such a rich backstory that involves mm-hmm. both oppression and privilege in different ways, which is very interesting. That is very interesting. That actually segues pretty well into the character I wanted to talk about, who is Genya. Yes. I Okay, great. I was like, I don't know if you love Genya as much no, as I do. <laughs> I do. I totally do. She's really interesting. Yeah. So Genya is a Grisha, but she's sort of, she's called a tailor. So all the categories of Grisha have different names. There are heart renders who can like slow your heartbeat or speed it up or calm you down and different things like do things with your blood. And there are there are people who can manipulate fabrics and materials and things like that. But Genya is a tailor, which means that she can make you look a little bit different, not too, too different, but she mm-hmm. can sort of take away the bags on your eyes. She can transfer the color of a rose blossom, a rose petal onto your lips. So it's sort of, uh, it's a sort of makeup and things like that. And she could take away scars from your skin. So she's really the only one who can do that. And she is kept apart from other Grisha even. And the different types of Grisha wear different color keftas. They're just kind of fancy coats, mm-hmm. fancy coats. <laughs> and Genya <laughs> is the only one who wears white. Mm-hmm. So I thought she was super interesting. I thought you're right, the, the Grisha are feared because of their power, but they're also necessary because of their power. So they sort of occupy a tenuous position in society because they're needed, but not a lot of people like them. Mm-hmm. And also because of their history in which the Black Heretic character hundreds of years ago created the Fold. Mm-hmm. So I just thought Genya was sort of well, she's funny, first of all, and she's yeah. kind. And she's sort of Alina's only female friend. Mm-hmm. And she she herself occupies a position that mirrors the position of Grisha. Yeah. Because she's like them, but she's also set apart. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that she she's in many ways she's a healer, but she's also sort of creating glamours. So is she doing like, yeah, her services are mostly used by the queen for very mm-hmm. cosmetic reasons, but she has to, the the healing element is interesting to me. So yeah, it's it's very interesting. And I think that it's sort of making an equation with plastic surgery and that these are, these are legit doctors and healthcare providers who do things that can completely transform a person's life for the positive, but also, is it really that necessary? And it's for vanity reasons and, and whatnot. So but she's treated a bit like a servant, but then like a very special servant. And she's kind of protected. So it's very, yeah. But but she and she and Alina have some cute scenes together that mm-hmm. are really fun. So I just really, I like all the characters. I'm just totally charmed by the world. And I do think it moves kind of slowly in the beginning. It took me a bit to get into. So if you're thinking about reading it, or if you, I feel like the show is like this too, that it starts... Everything starts very slowly. It is not your traditional, let's begin with some kind of battle scene. No, we get a lot of backstory. So be patient with it because there is a lot of action and excitement. And yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, a lot of cool characters. I'm enjoying it too. And I'm excited to talk about it with Luke and James. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't love the book as much as you did, but that's totally okay. And I am enjoying the adaptation. So cool. Well, excellent. Yeah. So 
Look for us on Ink to Film, and that's also available wherever you find your podcasts. So that'll be, as you said, May 6th. Mm-hmm. And next week, we're talking about the NBC sci-fi series Debris. We're also talking about a fantastic YouTuber who discusses English literature. And we're watching the pilot episode of the classic sitcom Rhoda. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And you can find us together on Twitter at Podcast. If you'd rather email us, you can do that at PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, stay healthy and safe, and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pop.